0: Welcome everyone to episode 23 of Where's This Going? I want to start out by thanking my sponsor, U.S. Wellness Meats. At U.S. Wellness Meats, all of their foods are raised on family farms dedicated to sustainable and ethical principles. They do not use any pesticides, herbicides, antibiotics, growth hormones, or GMOs. The owners are the farmers themselves, and they supply nutrient-dense, all-natural foods to professional football and baseball teams, colleges, individual athletes at the highest level of every major sport, health professionals, respected gourmet chefs, fine dining Establishments and families all over the country in every single state, Canada, and Puerto Rico who are looking for the best food on the planet. They ship anywhere in the country for only $9.50 for shipping and handling, and most orders are delivered within 48 hours of leaving their facility. It really does make a difference— Put the best quality fuel in your body and get the best results. Grass-fed and pasture-raised foods are nature's high-octane fuel. Use promo code PODCAST for 15% off your next order at uswellnessmeats.com today. I also want to remind people that they can check out all information about myself and the show on felix-levine.com. I've had people ask me where you can find all the podcasts in both video and video and audio versions, and there you can find absolutely everything ranging from pictures from every single of my recordings to the video and audio versions, as I mentioned. You can also find contact information if you're a sponsor and looking to sponsor the show. You can also, if you are a fan and have something nice to say, you can find my contact information there and email me or fill out the form on my website. There's also the link to my YouTube channel that you can click on the little icon on the website. There is absolutely everything that you need to know. And my next guest is a professional mixed martial artist with a record of 21 wins and 5 defeats. He was the inaugural welterweight bellator champion. And he is now a current welterweight for the UFC. He has an incredible life story and is an incredibly humble man. Please welcome Lyman Good. And we're live. Lyman, thank you, sir, for uh, taking the time today.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. It's
0: my pleasure. So, as I said to you a couple of minutes ago, is there a little tidbit that the world doesn't already know about about Lyman good?
1: I mean, pretty much I'm an open book when it comes to my purpose in fighting. And, um, you know, my purpose served is to motivate people who've come from nothing to be able to work hard at everything that they have in life. Uh, I was born and raised in um, Spanish Harlem, you know, a poor family. I was, uh, you know, a typical, no father in a family, and then, um, basically, my mother and I wanted to do something as a hobby together. So she got the idea of putting me into martial arts as a way to also get me out of trouble. And you know, I was a street kid. I think that's uh, maybe something a lot of people didn't know. You know, I'm, I come across as very kind and genuine to people, but I lived a very different. You know existence years ago I was a different person completely street t- kid got into a lot of fights you know was hanging out with a lot of gang bangers and um you know I was I was kind of on that on the cusp of you know living a very different life just to put it that way and that was when you were about how old say uh um, well I was born and raised in uh, Spanish Harlem so I've been there my mm-hmm. whole life but um really it got bad probably around 16 17 you know in my teens when I was in High school around that time as well. Cutting school a lot. I Actually, come from a Catholic uh, school upbringing. It's probably something most people don't know. Um, Got kicked out of there. Got kicked out of five high schools. Always for uh, fighting. But I anger. Yeah, it was anger. But funny enough, it was never because of me. It was um, I got into fights because of bullying. I you know bullying is one of the things that really really gets to me, and uh, I see bullies you know picking on other kids a lot. So that's when I'd step in. i get into fights for other kids, basically, you know, something that it really bothered me to uh, see that kids wouldn't stand up for themselves, you know, and um, it almost made me angry. Like, you know, like, dude, like, like stand up, like, fucking say something back. Like, but, you know, you, you don't realize so later in life that just people are just scared. People have to be trained to be able to do that. A lot of it has to do with confidence. And uh, there's many elements that, you know, factor in someone standing up for, you know, for themselves. So that's another reason that, you know, I got into martial arts as well. You know, I wanted to kind of curb that uh, that anger that I had, all for a good reason. And then, um, yeah, years later, you know, I fell in love with the journey. Worked hard at it every single day, and here I am, you know, years later. 15 years professionally fighting, uh, Bellator champion, uh, you know, currently fighting for the UFC now, one of the highest echelons of MMA, you know, living the life. On top of that, I get to. I also teach. I own a school in uh, downtown Manhattan, and I'm blessed with the opportunity now to pass that on to other people.
0: So I'm still. I'm still interested. I want to take you back just a little bit to those first years because I'm interested in. You know, I mean, I've just been here with you for a couple minutes, and you seem like a very nice guy. But to to imagine at 15 or 16 that that anger and that uh you know that the fights you got into. what was going on through your head when you're when you saw another kid get bullied? What what did that trigger, and how did you kind of um, you know were you were you a big strong kid that felt confident you could beat up anybody, or what what was it about it that that kind of got to you?
1: Can't say I had confidence. You know, I, I uh, had my own problems and things that I was dealing with at home, and um, I think it was just anger. Anger was just my driving force when I was younger. You know, I lived with anger for so many. For so long in my life, that was just like, I I didn't care, confidence or not. It just drove me to the Where did that anger come from in the beginning, you think? A lot of it was just my upbringing. A lot of it's, um, you know, not having had a father in my life and just having to figure things out completely on my own. You know, God bless my mother for, you know, single-handedly raising me and my two sisters and doing the best she could, you know, given the circumstances, but uh, a lot of it's anger from that. A lot of it's anger from just feeling judged by the world. You know, I felt very different from people, you know, and, and uh, a, a lot of my peers at that age, you know, I felt like I was different because I wouldn't fit in, you know, I, I, whether it was because I couldn't fit in or it's because I just didn't want to, but I didn't fit in in any cliques, you know, I was kind of like a solo kind of dude, and um, I don't know, the, uh, the anger just kind of expressed itself in different ways. I did a lot of writing, a lot of music, I used to draw a lot. But that was kind of my way early on to get all this energy out of me. Um, but it manifested itself sometimes, you know, through violence. And part of it is the anger that I had inside and part of it is just the people that I was hanging out with. You know, there's a very violent um, atmosphere I lived in, you know, in Harlem back in the days, you know, it's a uh, gang territory, there's bloods, there's Crips, a lot of gang wars and stuff. And I was kind of in the middle, seeing it all. So it, um, I don't know, after a while, it started to kind of just manifest itself on me and I don't know. Uh, to answer your question, I think the uh, the bullying issue is just it, it, it bothers me because in a way it's like I saw myself in those kids' circumstances that they felt was out of their control, being ridiculed, being meant to feel small, you know, and minuscule, and like they don't belong. You know that 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 feel of not belonging is something I always related to. So I think when I saw kids, you know, getting Bullied and you know shit getting done to them that I'm like, dude, like, like fucking say something back, like get up and just, you know, like you, you get so mad for them that I was like, all right, like I didn't give a shit about school, I didn't care a lot back then. If I get in trouble, uh, who cares? You know, this is only my my third or fourth high school. I've been kicked out of so who cares? I already got a rap sheet. Um, so yeah, one time I I bit this kid's neck, his re- bit a chunk off his his neck is, uh wow. you know. Uh, was throwing baby powder on this kid uh, this foreign exchange student and he was asthmatic and he couldn't breathe like he he was like hyperventilating and everything you know so that was one story Uh, another one was in catholic high school
0: what's going on what what? were you were you a
1: big kid were you i mean now you're you're no i was actually um i i didn't really eat a lot i didn't sleep a lot i had insomnia when i was younger um i was pretty lean i was actually smaller
0: but you were but you were at least Perhaps you talk about not having confidence, but were you at least confident in your ability to
1: fight or beat someone up? Yeah, I was just fucking out of my mind, and th- that's enough for me to just feel like I could, you know, beat anybody. It didn't matter, you know. I've been on a receiving end of beatings as well, so to me, it's it was just kind of like a way of life.
0: So you, were, but you were always most of these like fights you got into were to help uh, other kids that couldn't stand up for themselves, or were you also getting bullied as no. well?
1: I, I, I wasn't getting bullied. I, I was that quiet kid, you know. I was on, I was uh. Always on the outside, you know, kinda of sitting back and I was very observant. I, I wasn't I was barely hanging out
0: with people. So you were so you're like the quiet cute who's on the outside and then you see someone get bullied
1: and then it turns something just turns on where you boils my blood. Like wow. It it was yeah, it's just I I, I I can't I couldn't explain the logic behind it, but I understand it. Do you feel like some of that also is still
0: present in the sense of when you get into the cage to fight because now here you are in front of me like I'm sure other than the fact that you're built like a tank but like uh, like when people see you you know I'm sure you're, you're still reserved but then you get into an octagon and you're ready to literally you know take someone's head off. Do you still have that kind of ability to switch things on and off?
1: That's um, as, as I grew up and you know started my journey in martial arts and started to learn how to control that. You know, um, I came to terms with knowing that that is a part of me and rather than trying to erase it, just, um, you know, let it be, let, let it be a part of you that's always there, but you have to have that, you know, that control over it. And, you know, that's, it, it's almost like a, like that little kid in me that's always going to feel that way. There's nothing I can do about it. I just have to coexist with it. So all I do now is I just kind of cage it up and then let it out at the right times, you know, and I I use it for a good cause and, you know, for the right purpose. So every time I go out there and fight, that kid in me comes out, you know, that that anger side of me, all the, you know, projected uh, negativities and bad things I went through in life. All that stuff, all that shit, all that like bottled, you know, energy that I've had as a kid, I kind of cage it up and just let them out when it's time to fight.
0: What would, what would
1: your mom say when you would get kicked out of, of your high schools? At first, you know, obviously upset. After watching, Oh, okay, another one. <laughs> She's <laughs> like, all right. You know, scratch off another. <laughs> but, um, you know, again, like I, I love my mother to death. One thing that, you know, later in life you go back and you appreciate it. You appreciated them, but I, I was too out of my mind to even, you know, acknowledge. But I acknowledge now, like, the patience she had with me. Um, the fact that she was so supportive in whatever it is I decided to do at a young age. And I believe it's very important to have support in anything you do. It doesn't matter, you know, what, what direction you want to go in life. When you have that support, especially from, you know, from family, most importantly, it was, um, it, was, it was very powerful. It was very strong. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons I stuck to martial arts and I'm doing what I'm doing to have a successful career is because of that, you know, that um, support I have had for my mom you know I didn't have it from other people I didn't have my father there I didn't have a lot of a lot of family wasn't there but my mom was there she believed in me and to me that's all that fucking mattered was just to have that support from her and and your
0: sisters were you the kind of were you uh you know protective in of your sisters as well Absolutely. if anybody tried to to fuck with them
1: Absolutely yeah. the stories that they probably don't even know that you, uh, you want to reveal <laughs> a couple of them if, I if I you hope want that, I'm watching. <laughs> <laughs> that um I go after school, you know, to go pick her up. There are times I just go to you're school, and just watch. Yes, I'm I'm older.
0: You're the oldest of of of, both of them. the three. Yeah, and they're how many years apart from you and and them? They're uh, four,
1: I believe. Four, four years from each other, and then uh, I lose, I was I was after a while, okay. but uh, they're twenty four, I believe. Okay, the oldest one. Oh,
0: so, okay, so you're like ten years older. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. So then, you have any uh any of the stories from picking them up after school or? something yeah i grabbed i grabbed
1: up some kid because you know my 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 older uh, sister of the two she she developed pretty quick if you know what i mean and um you know she was getting the attention of older older guys and stuff and i go after school to watch and you know it's fucking you know shitty neighborhood so they're talking like yo ma what's up look you know talk about her you know her body and stuff and she she walked away, and I grabbed this kid up, push push him up against the fence, grabbed him over his nuts. So I was like, you fucking talk to my sister like that again, I'm fucking kill you. I <laughs> had <laughs> dad, I had you know a a friend of a good friend of mine, uh, Nisum. We we came by car to come pick her up one time, and we were just kind of watching out the car and people were like <laughs> you know. <laughs> so... A, you know there, there, I was protected from a distance I didn't want to intervene too much in her life and kind of you know um make make things difficult for her or embarrass her even though she probably hated it then but you know she learned to love me later on for it but um it, it was also because of our circumstances we weren't as close as I I wish we we could have been you know they they were going through their struggles the same as I was but it's different for a girl than it is for a guy you know not having a father it's whatever, it just fucking toughens you up or, you know, it makes or breaks you. But for a girl, it's different. A girl looks to the dad. A girl needs a strong father figure in her life, you know, and I try to fulfill that position, you know, the best that I could, you know, in whatever capacity they needed. But it was tough because I'm trying to be a brother. I'm trying to be a son. I'm trying to be, you know, a dad. I'm trying to, like, fulfill all these roles. And that also gives me more appreciation for my mother who had to fulfill many roles, you know, just to... Try to help me and my sisters ha- uh, live a more satisfied life and
0: I don't know I mean, I don't know if you ever if you ever want to be a father or not, but how has also you know, you know perhaps the, the lack of presence of of your father changed you and and given you a perspective on on life as a man and perhaps one day if, if you choose as a father
1: uh, my entire life I've tried to make amends with you know how how I feel. Towards him, but um I think I think I have now to thank him for it. Because you know, it's up to you what you do with things dealt to you in, in life, all bad cards. You have to turn it around, not play the victim role and just use it as an excuse so you just sob your, your life away. So because of his absence, I thank him for that because I learned everything not to be. I learned everything to do with my family whenever i start that journey and i begin my own family and i become a father you know he's made me stronger because of it even even though it wasn't his intention and wasn't how he wanted me to be stronger but in his absence in the things he's done when he was around my life and just everything because of him he's made me a stronger man because of him so because of that in a different kind of way i thank him for it Mm -hmm. that's beautiful i think yeah i think uh
0: i'd imagine you'll be a great father uh, when, when that time comes, um, so so then what was the what was the first day? Do you remember the first day you got brought into into the gym? Um, and how old were you when it was your mom signed you up? That was that was how yeah. it worked.
1: Seventeen or eighteen. Uh, we walked into t- the uh, Tiger Shulman uh, School in downtown Manhattan. It was on Nineteenth Street, on the West Side. Over um, went into the school, and I don't know. I, I was too like hypnotized by just the. Uh, the visuals, people hitting pads, the sound of, you know, leather on leather, just that cracking sound and just the smell, the stench, the, it was, I felt like uh, an animal finally walking into his natural habitat. I felt, you know, going back to what I was saying before about feeling like not belonging and, uh, you know, being an outsider, it was probably one of the first times I felt at home and I felt that peace and I felt like this is where I belong you know this is my environment I, I i dig this you know it was that feeling i had
0: what did you imagine you would be doing when you were younger if it wasn't you know did you did you ever have dreams of being a fighter what what did you think when you were like 10 12
1: 15 that you would be doing with your life <laughs> that's a good question um, i had aspirations and i also had fears my aspirations were maybe become a uh, law enforcement i wanted to go away into the military to marines um, but because, because of my sisters, I decided not to. I felt too bad. I, I felt bad leaving my mom alone with them. Um, so I was kind of curved away from, from those aspirations. and then fears, my fears of you know becoming a gangbanger, banger, having no hope, realizing there's nowhere else for me to go, so I might as well fucking go along with the crowd, um, end up in jail. you know I, I don't know. I, I didn't really have like a very clear um, indication of where I wanted to go in life. I, I, I just always had this feeling, like I, you know, there's good in me. I, I had this, you know, this uh, this intuition that whatever I decide to do in life, that I'm gonna be really good at it. And I could have either really been good at being bad, or being good at being good. You know, live up to my last name, basically. And um, I don't know. Sure enough, for you know, for whatever you want to call it, God's blessing or you know, the universe paralleled me in the direction of fighting. And that's where I am now. And I completely own up to it. I'm blessed for that.
0: So do you feel like the second you walked into the gym, was it that kind of moment where it's like, this is my calling? Or did you were like, okay, this seems kind of cool. Like, let's see what's going on and we'll take it from
1: there. Uh, it was probably more along those lines. I, I don't I don't think I was thinking fighting. Did you ever watch UFC
0: or MMA growing up
1: or know anything about it? <sighs> I mean, I was seen MMA like in, in the streets yeah. like you know <laughs> seeing like brawls and fights you know um, in the streets a lot but um as far as it, in the ring I, I saw I'd seen a few fights of UFC you know I can't say I was like a fan of it I you know watched it you know purposefully but I had seen it before but it wasn't really my intention when I first started training I went in just thinking like wow this is fucking cool like this is this is awesome I, I just felt this just magnetic pull to it and it wasn't Really, until later, when I started competing, when I had my first taste of a fight and my win, and that first feeling of it was like a drug, you know. And, uh, How old are you? I was um, 18, 21, I believe. 21 was your first professional fight? <laughs> yeah. I started pro. I didn't have an amateur career, I was fed to the wolves, just throw straight in. There, there was an, am- an amateur circuit back then. So, the, the only direction, if you wanted to go into MMA and start competing, was to start pro. So, I um, funny enough, my first card was with Frankie Edgar. Frankie Edgar was on the same card wow. in Jersey. It was Asbury Park for Ring of Combat. Right, because I was looking at your record,
0: and it was like, oh, I think a lot of your first fights were all Asbury Park, right? Yeah, and it then um, like, uh, it was
1: there. Uh, Eddie Alvarez was uh, in wow. the same card when I first started. Some legends on that card. Yeah, I feel old now. <laughs> <laughs> You're not even that old. Yeah, you got some
0: time. Um, so then. So then you're racking up some wins. What's going on? I mean, are, were you naturally like what? What were your coaches saying? Were you naturally kind of gifted at at doing, um, you know, organized mixed martial arts? No, no more street fights, or was it? Uh, were you in the gym every day those first couple years? What was the? What were those first years like?
1: I wouldn't say talent was on my side for sure, but the one thing I could wholeheartedly say is uh, I had the raw ingredient of just. Just, just, just tenacious just constant I, I wouldn't give up i just have this very stubborn nature and I, I don't give up i think not ever giving up plus being stubborn and just the the will to just want to keep doing something no matter how hard it is you know because at this point in my life that's already what i've learned you know from just my situations those ingredients lended to success later i i can't say i was the most talented you know i was very like street brawlish and you know, if anything, I gave my um, my coaches at the time a hard time with you know trying to train me because I wasn't a blank uh, sheet of paper for them. You know, I came in already like learning, like haymakers, being wild. You know, and just like it, I was, it was a mess when I first started. You know, but I was just very. I think one of my styles for starting off was they knew right away I'm very explosive, and that's you know to this day that's still my style. I'm very explosive when I fight, but um. You know, those elements combined is kind of what helped define my, my style when I first started training. And then, then you get signed to Bellator. Uh-huh. Um,
0: you become the first inaugural Bellator welterweight champion. What was that like?
1: That was probably one of the first milestones of my life I felt that I had accomplished. Um, sometimes it's not so much the uh, the outcome of something, you know, the win of something, but how much you put into it. For that to be the outcome. And this is, I I don't know if people are aware, you know, of uh, when I went through that tournament, I slept in a cage, the cage in my gym. Are you serious? For three months. My coach said, if you want to win, let's sleep in the cage. Stay here. You're not allowed to go home. (laughs) So I bought a mattress. Every night I dragged the mattress into our cage in the gym and I slept there throughout the uh, the tournament. Wait, so
0: for the three months, so... It's a three-month tournament.
1: Yeah, because you compete every month, once every month. So every 30 days. And the whole
0: uh, time you're sleeping on a mattress that you would drag from the back or whatever into the cage at night and sleep in the cage alone?
1: Yeah, alone. I was the only one in the the gym. This is is on 19th Street in Manhattan? No, this is uh, Elmwood Park in New Jersey. This is where all the fighters train. So in uh, the 19th Street school where I first started training, that was kind of... Like a school for anybody to come in and train, and then maybe like 1% of the people who train there end up actually competing at that level. I was one of those people. Then uh, if you wanted to train for a fight, we'd have to go to a location in in, uh, New Jersey, and that's where all the pros fight. So you're, and you're what, you're like 23, 24 at the
0: time in that ballpark? And- so he, so his only option was if you want to become champion you're sleeping in the cage.
1: That's what my that's how my coach laid it out to me.
0: And what <laughs> what's in your head are you thinking um you're fucking crazy I'm going to go and sleep
1: on a on a real bed or you're like oh no okay. All right. <laughs> right up my wow. alley, okay. <laughs> I mean I am I, I have no ties to the outside world at this point I'm you know I, I have this relationship with training and with fighting. It's this uh, th- this love affair that I have with it that there's nothing outside of that. So if you tell me I gotta sleep in order to become a champion, sleep inside a cage. Uh, okay. Were you convinced that if you didn't sleep inside the cage
0: at night, you wouldn't become champion?
1: Or you? I don't. I don't know if that's how I was thinking, but it was just I. I, I knew. It, see, my 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 coaches. You know, I, I have two coaches. They're they're brothers, the Shulman brothers. One is very technical and he's amazing at, you know, getting the uh, physical and technical aspects of, you know, your, your game, getting up to par. The other does the same as well, but he's also very mental. Mm. And he was the one that um, Tiger, Tiger Shulman was the one that came up with the idea, told me to sleep in the cage. And he says, you know, when you have this nature of self-denial. You always have this expectancy that you're. You always have this feeling that you're tougher than the other person because you gave up things that the other person wouldn't have. And at the end of the day, when it comes down to the wire, it's it's a battle of inches. Who gave up the most? Who did the most? Who sacrificed the most? And when it comes down to you know that darkest hour, the hardest part, you know the toughest of the tough, that's what it winds down to. It's just a battle of inches. So yeah, your opponent's training for you he's training to beat your ass he's training to take everything that's yours and he wants to embarrass you he wants to knock you out so you're even there what else can you do you know to edge out competition and he says it's mental a lot of it's just what you do mentally because physically you're capped your opponent is capped you can only train so much you only do so much so mentally he says those who give up the you know uh pleasures in life little pleasures simple things eventually become tougher in their minds you know He, he also said that it's like a dog. Like you'll get you you just feel territorial if you sleep in a cage and then you compete, you'll sure feel like a dog that's in your cage and they don't belong in there, you
0: know. Wow. That's <laughs> one of the most that's one of the most insane stories I've ever heard. I've never heard of any other. I've had a couple fighters and I have a couple more. I may never hear a story like that ever again.
1: Swear to god. I slept in there and sure enough was it, it was it some somewhat was comfortable. Right.
0: Huh? Was it somewhat comfortable? Could you That
1: was at least. I mean, you get you get used to it, you know. Uh, if, I also had insomnia, you know, that I was struggling with when I, when I was younger. So I slept in parks and benches and streets, subways, you know. It's, uh, I'm, I'm able to, you know, uh, I'm very nomadic. I'm like a nomad. I can sleep wherever, you know, it don't fucking matter. So you're training,
0: I'd imagine, basically every day during those three months. Um, and, and then sun-
1: Sundays I had all, uh, No, Saturdays. Saturdays I had off. It okay. was one, the one day I had off. But six days out of the week I was training. Did you even leave the gym? Like, would like, yeah, like, we, you know, there's a neighborhood you go walk in and stuff, but for the most part, just staying in there, you know, you, so it's sleeping in the cage, but it's also staying in the gym, mm. you know, and I had um, a uh, meal prep company bring me food. Uh, my coaches, or at least were very, uh, you know, they were kind enough to provide everything for me with like laundry and making sure, you know, I had the right equipment and everything. So they pretty much took care of me. It was just. It, it it could have been better, you know. Just just like a fighter's dream, you sleep there. It, it it's it's kind of equivalent to when you go to Thailand, you know. You go on like one of those camps. You do uh, you sleep there, you know, room and board. You get everything taken care of, and all you gotta do is train. It felt like that. And you talked about this idea of of self denial. I think is what you
0: what you talked about. Will you go a little yeah. bit more into that and what you what you mean by that?
1: In life, everything's competition. It's. The little things that you do that add up to the bigger decisions you make later in life. For instance, when you give up little things, like for example, you it's just it's the simplest things, but it makes sense in my mind. It's like when you bite your nails, you know, you give that up as much as it's an urge. When you give when you don't give into the urge, even though it seems like it's small, it's fucking it's, it's nothing. But that you know that little mental win each and every single time you want to bite your nail, it's making you you know chips. At a time, stronger. You know, you're chipping away at your, your ability to not give in to an urge. Um, when you want foods, you know, like candy or chocolate, whatever your vices are, I feel as if every time you say no to it, you're slowly chipping away at making yourself stronger. You know, all these little chips eventually add up to later in life when you have to make a choice that really matters. It's you, You've had so many, like, practices at it, you know, at a, on a small scale that it adds up to helping you make, you know, the right choice when it counts, you know, and I, and I feel like it's also what you do when no one knows you're doing it, you know, everyone glorifies doing the right things when people are watching, when it, you know, when uh, everyone sees you doing it, but it's what you do in the dark, it's what you do when no one's around, it's what you do when people don't even know that you're doing it, that makes you stronger for the times that they do count in front of people.
0: So for you, it was also, um, it was that combined with kind of removing those outside pleasures to just get you focused on the task at hand. Yeah. Was that correct? Mm-hmm. And um cuz I mean you hear you hear some of those crazy stories from those crazy boxers like the Tysons and the the others who would, you know, give up sex for their whole training camp. Um what is it do you feel like in your head about giving mm-hmm. up a a pleasure um that that helped you hone in on exactly your next opponent the task at hand
1: does it does it make you did it make you only think about what you were doing next yeah i think it's um, you can you, you look at the person that's standing across the cage from you and you objectify him you say that you're the reason why you're the reason why i've been sleeping in this cage you're the reason why i'm not at home every night you're the reason why you know so you you project that on your opponent you know that plus what I said before is, you know, that I channel that, you know, the that kid in me that grew up and it was you know went through the hard times and everything. I, I let him out of the cage, you know, it just made me very very violent in that cage, you know. Wow,
0: that's so interesting because I, I think some um, in, in the other fighters that I've that I've talked to, uh, you know, it, it seems like for you, you would you would you say you well you don't fight angry because you fight smart and you fight, you fight technical, but in terms of emotions, would you say you fight angry?
1: No. Anger clouds judgment, you know, it, it, it so how, do you, how do you, how do you, how do you differentiate,
0: you know, saying you're the reason why this, that, and the other thing, but then also, you know, make the right calls, stay calculated and, and stay.
1: Yeah, I guess that takes, that, it takes training, you know, being able to like just curb that energy, being able to, you know, um, control the direction. It's it's like um, you know, it's like a, a rocket. Rocket is gonna propel in any direction. It has it doesn't have trajectory, it doesn't have aim. It just goes. But if you could put a control, remote control on that rocket and then guide it, then you're guiding energy. So to me, it feels like I have that you know that propelling anger, that propelling energy. Because at the end of the day, what what is anger? It's energy. You know, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's just energy. If you could guide that energy. Across from you, into that you know the opponent standing across from you, guide the energy towards the right thing too. I think that's that's probably to answer your question, is to guide it you know, to the right purpose. You're angry, but you're not angry at this person necessarily. You're angry because of this person, and your job isn't to hurt them. Hurting is something that will happen during a fight, but your job isn't to hurt them. We're not in here to kill each other. At the end of the day, it's a sport, but your job is to win. So you know when you guide that energy towards that, just you you have to win, but violence is uh, a byproduct of it. You know uh, what you might what might happen in a fight to the person or to you even is a byproduct of that. You know you just got to kind of keep your your focus on the right thing. That's interesting because you know when you think of fighting, you think of at the end of
0: the day when you're when you're looking to get a finish, especially if it, unless you're subbing someone, but when you're knocking someone out, you're you're hurting them. You know what I'm saying? Do you ever feel like you want to hold back on? I mean, no, because I, you know, I've watched your fights. You don't, you're not holding <laughs> back when you when the, when the guy's hurt. But do you ever feel uh, bad about potentially hurting them or or inflicting pain, even though it's not necessarily your intention? I mean. Well, it is your intention because that's the way to finish the fight but how do you kind of separate um you know the emotion side of okay i'm, I'm hurting someone and i got to go out there and do my job and, and finish them
1: it's, it's funny funny you ask that um so in this last fight in master square garden i kind of went back to that a little bit and master square garden and the, ho- the hotel we stayed in was so close to home you know i, I moved out to jersey you know um and I'm not far from, you know, from uh, the arena, probably about 20 minutes. Anyways, point being is that I could have gone home every night and, you know, um, stayed in the comfort of my bed. But my girlfriend and I were kind of talking about it and we kind of both mutually agreed that it's time to get back to that, to that lineman that stayed in the cage, gave up his pleasures. And although home is so close, you know, we came up with a decision, why not stay at the hotel, you um, know? Uh, point being is I stayed in that hotel for the, the entire week and just secluded myself, shut the blinds. I was there in the dark for a week, you know, uh, during during fight week. And I stayed there just, uh, you know, I got into meditating. Now uh, I, I started the practice of meditation. And I started meditating every day, visualizing it. You know, I do a lot of visualization training and just locked myself in the hotel just doing those things amongst those things one of the other th- one of the other things i was doing a lot was talking to myself and it's all- almost like praying almost you know it's um saying that i hope that my opponent and i walk out fine because at the end of the day it is a sport we're doing it for a job we're not doing it cuz we hate each other and we got to kill each other you know it's not back it's not like the gladiator days as much as i am a fan of those days <laughs> <laughs> but um jeez how it you so- couldn't pay me to get into a fucking octagon with you i'm not going to lie but yeah continue <laughs> <laughs> And I said, um, you know, um, but I need to, I need a certain violence. I need a certain level. I need to be in touch with the violent nature of me. And I'm asking, you know, I'm asking myself permission to allow myself to get in touch with that violent nature, but also to know that it's for a purpose. It's not to hurt the guy. And if hurting happens, then it's part of the job because I know I could also get hurt. He's trying to do the same to me. But all I could ask for is that we both make it out okay, no injuries, nothing you know crazy. So I kind of secluded myself in the hotel with you know that that notion, that idea that okay, we gotta focus the mind, we gotta clear everything out, really hone in on what we're about to do, and violence is a necessity to do what we were about to do. So I'm asking for permission to use you. I'm asking for permission to be you know to become violent, but for its purpose, its intended purpose is to win a fight.
0: So during fight week, you're kind of secluding yourself, closing the closing the curtains. You're doing all the like press stuff that you have to do, and then just going back to the hotel and doing that. And then, I
1: mean, your workouts, I imagine, and yeah, all that. Workouts, dieting, you know, food and all that stuff, you know, weight cut. And then you're just sitting in the dark in your hotel room. Yeah, I draw the shades. You sit there on, on the floor on my bed or uh, play, you know, music, whatever. I just kind of put myself in a place, put myself in a place that facilitates what I, what you know, we're planning to do in a few days. Is anyone there? Mm-hmm. Is your girlfriend there? Is any of your teammates okay. there? Just you alone? My manager came through on one of the nights to stay over because, you know, he helps with the weight cut. But for the most part, I was there alone. You know, I had um, the just the times I had to go do interviews or whatever, I, I would step out. But I was alone pretty much for the entire time. And do you feel like that made a huge difference for you? It did because, just, you know, when I came out and... um I walked down down that aisle and then went to the cage. You know what happened afterwards was a very relaxed version of myself, a very in tune, a very focused. It was probably one of the best I felt. Yeah, you know, it was definitely uh, one of the best. Yeah, I mean, it's, even from a fan's perspective, you know, uh,
0: I've watched you for as long as I can remember, and at least in the UFC as well, uh, especially. Um, but I mean, you know, people. I, I remember that. The, you know the knock on you or the criticism that people would say would, oh, you know, like, take him into deep waters, let's see what he can do. Mm-hmm. You got taken into deep waters and you knocked the guy out, especially a guy who has cardio for days, yeah. a good wrestler. Um, so everything that people were saying of, like, you know, uh, let's see if Lyman can get past, if the guy can get out of round one, we'll see how he does. The guy got knocked out in round three, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. So it was one of, by far, your best performances. Thank you. Um. So do you think... I'm also curious. So after those 3 months you you spend sleeping in the gym and now this uh this preparation for this fight where you're uh you know, staying secluded, have you done that for most of your fights? Do you were, were the ones that perhaps your 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 performances that, you know, perhaps a couple of the losses or the 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 ones that didn't go your way
1: um were you not doing it for those fight camps? What was that like? I think uh, I I definitely wasn't. You know, to answer your question. I um um, the practice of meditating and visualization all these you know other mental uh, things that I started using for, you know for preparation. I only started doing it recently probably in the past you know two years or so um I think I, I know rather that my biggest challenge going into some fights has always been myself uh, you know in the bigger scheme of everything my opponent really has always been myself. There've been fights that I've lost that I felt like I lost to myself because it wasn't so much, uh, not to discredit my opponent. He's very skilled. All all people are to be able to compete at that level, but it was just knowing that I didn't I didn't pull out the best version of myself that day. You know, was was always and you know has been my biggest challenge was just to get my mind to be focused for that one specific time. You, You you train for three months. To to be perfect for one day, if you think about it, you know. So my biggest challenge has been it, you know, to be able to pull out that best version of myself that day of. And
0: do you think you would do that again? The sleeping in the in the gym for for three months, or perhaps is that not? Or they're now you know, doing it other ways of just like fight week, secluding yourself is is enough to to kind of hone in mentally. Or would you would you do that again? Do you think?
1: I would do it again. I'm not. I'm not opposed to it, but I but I think out of it, what I understood what what it's for and how to get to that, you know, I, I learned how to do it in other ways. That's why I was able to you know do it in the hotel, you know, and, uh, for that the, the week during the the uh, MSC fight. Uh, so I, I kind of learned the core of it, you know, mm. what, what 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 is the purpose of sleeping there? You know, it's basically to rid yourself of of pleasures in life and rid yourself of you know the mundane. Uh, Cas you know the casual life that you live every day it has to be different. you know what you're about to do it's special so it, it, you have to treat it as such and you can't act as if it's just any other day. you have to really prepare your mind, get ready because it's you know it, it's, it's important this is what you're about to do is your, it's your career, it's your legacy it's everything you're fighting for and
0: is your, when you're telling your girlfriend like what, what what's that conversation like like hey
1: babe like for the, this week I, I'm kind of on my own. She, she's cool with that she, she's completely cool with it she's you know i'm i'm very lucky to have somebody who's understanding and not just understanding but she'll push me she pushes me out there she'll literally kick me out the door be like get the fuck out of here go train get your ass up like there've been times where I, you know like not feeling well but she's like you know waking me up from bed like we gotta go in the mornings she'll send you know like a message um it's just like a motive you know motivational message just she, she just does a lot of things just to really facilitate fighting you know because it's hard fighting is a very selfish sport and it's a very selfish thing that you do and when you you know everything else for example teaching is. i teach and i fight but they're opposite of each other because fighting is selfish teaching is how, selfless. Is, how is fighting selfish Well, because you have to do everything for you. It's about your diet. It's about pushing everything aside so that you could make the time to make sure you're getting trained properly. You know, and I don't mean selfish in a bad way either. I mean, you know, rightfully so selfish because you can't be doing other things because then you lose your focus. It has to be, you know, at least if you want to be successful at it, you have to really hone in. Anybody who's good at fighting, you'll see that everything for those two months during fight camp is 100% just around their training. Nothing really exists out of it. Some people are able to juggle certain things, and they have to as well because they have families, maybe with kids. So it's not like they could just abandon their kids, but they find a way to do it. But at the end of the day, their real focus, mentally at least, it's really on the fight and everything to help you know um, the success rate of that fight. And do you think because you teach and you talk about
0: this, um, you know, fighting being selfish and teaching being selfless, do you feel like because you do
1: both, it balances out kind of perfectly? It does. It does. And it's a challenge, though. It's a, definitely a juggling act because when you're you're there and you're teaching your students, you know, you're, you have to, you know, first of all, I have to show up and, you know, being tired after, you know, because I train in the mornings and I teach at night. So you have to be able to kind of put that aside and not let it be about you. Oh, I'm tired, you know. Like, so what? Like, they're there for you. Be there for them. You know, suck it up. Go there and teach them the best that you can and coach them the best that you can, you know. So in a way, it kind of inadvertently makes you tougher too because, you know, like you have to keep going, you know, no matter how tired you are. But um, they, they, at, there's also a certain point where I do have to Pull out from teaching for a little bit because I need the extra time that um, I put into teaching. I use that time for training, and it's usually as I get closer, probably like the month out, month out. I start uh, like you know doing extra training, you know, three three a day sometimes. Um, so it, there is a certain point where I do have to pull out from teaching a little bit. What's your What's your fight camp
0: usually look like? Um, I got so every day is training
1: in the morning. How How I long used, do you start out? Like, from your fight? How long before your fight do you start your, your, your camps, usually? Eight weeks. Okay. Practically, I mean, there's there's been a two-week mark one time. You know, I had a two-week notice fight. Um, but essentially, a fight camp is eight weeks. And then, um, so you have eight weeks to prepare. Usually, you want to already start the eight weeks, you know, in shape. That's why you don't want to, like, in eight weeks, we got to fight. Oh, shit, let's get in shape now. You always want to be in shape. always want to be training. So you have, like, a baseline. And then once you get the call... You sign, the ink is dry. You're pretty much you're good to go. Eight weeks of just hard training. You know, now we start as the weeks go by, we start intensifying it. But then you taper off probably like a week before two weeks out. Everyone's a little different there. I do usually like a week out, you know, because I want to get an extra week, extra weekend of like hard sparring and you know training uh, like pretty hard before before the fight. Um, training every morning certain days I train again at night I do strength and conditioning at night on certain days and then on the weekends and then I have my wrestling days as well so it's kind of all over I create like a, a whole
0: schedule with it and and the thing that that I love and and actually the way that we were kind of put in touch was because I had uh, as you know Julio on the show Julio Arce featherweight um and what what him and I talked about was how closely knit you guys are at, at Team Tiger Showman's um you know you Julio uh, Shane Burgos is going to be here on uh, on Tuesday, um, and uh, the rest of your team that you guys have there. And I know you guys try to usually be on the same cards together. I mean, it was so cool. MSG, you know, yeah. it was you, Julio, uh, and Shane twice. Exactly. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Two Last times. Um, is it? Do you do you prefer always going through camps with with your brothers, kind of all being on the same card? Is it? Is it? Does it make it
1: easier for your coaches and for you guys to to motivate each other and to to push yourselves? It's definitely a plus to doing it all on the same card because the energy on the mat is unreal. It's just all of us fighting. We're all training. We get a lot of outsiders who come in for all of us, so it's just a cool vibe. Just you know, the energy, the energy in the gym is is different. But um, what's cool about the team too is that even if we're all not on the same card, we're always training together. So even if one of us is fighting, we're still there for each other, as if you know we were on the same card, which is you know pretty damn cool. You know, we're we're trying to tr- do our best, train year round, so that we're there for each other. And you know, in the in the case where it's only one of us, it's it's still good. There's still a lot of energy on the mat. But when we're all in the same card, it's just like you know, it's it's crazy. It's just we're all training hard. Our coaches get excited. You know, that they're just it's it's different. You know. And what's your what's your diet like usually during uh during a fight camp? So I do intermittent fasting. It's Ooh. one thing. Uh, I'm b- yeah. I love intermittent fasting yeah well just you know, to, to keep sli- to keep somewhat slim yeah uh, but how do you do yours uh,
0: nothing crazy probably like nothing super calculated just I try to eat my first meal at like two and then eat my you know a dinner at like seven or eight and then go for like a 16 17 period gap of time mm. with without
1: eating okay that's similar to mine I do uh do the same um funny enough I I I adopted intermittent fasting by accident, so I have this thing where in the mornings, because I, I train every morning, I can't eat before training. And this this goes back to when I first started, you know, fighting. Period. So in the mornings, I don't eat because I can't I can't stomach food before training for some reason. It's just my adrenaline is so high. I, it's like I, I want to puke it back out. I don't want I don't I don't want anything slowing me down. During you don't training. feel nauseous though. I get, yeah, I get nauseous. I'm telling you, like, it's, it's like my body's saying, like, no, fuck you. Like, no, stay, I'm saying, stay
0: light. I'm saying if you start working out really hard without eating, oh, without do, you, food? do you not go. No,
1: get- I feel my best. It puts wow. me, it, so I did it physically because I just couldn't stomach food. But the longer over the years I've been doing it for, I realized, like, man, this is, this is hard, but it's making me tough. It put, puts me in this, like, survivor, survival mode almost. When I'm training, and now it gets to a point where it's ridiculous. I try to go like a day entirely without eating sometimes. No. While you're Just training? to push myself. Yeah, just to push myself to, to almost for like shits and giggles. Where I'm like, <laughs> all right, I, I, got, I got a strength training, uh, a strength and conditioning session coming up. It's going to be an hour. It's going to be pretty tough. Can we do it? We haven't eaten yet. Uh, I think we could do it. Let's try it. Let's try it. You know, That's so my like my
0: you, mind. I feel like you could live in the fucking woods at this point. Like, like <laughs> no? Uh, you should yeah. do your next camp in the in the middle of New Jersey's like
1: forest. Uh, and I feel like own. you'll be ready. That might be a good idea. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm telling you. <laughs> if I get eaten by a bear or something, you'll know why. I feel um, like you could beat the bear up. I don't know. <laughs> also, you're, you're into hunting too, right? I don't so, hunt, but I do shoot though. Okay. Um but sorry, sorry, go go back to, to your diet. I'm I'm curious about. Your, your diet so yeah so in the mornings i couldn't i couldn't eat and then after training i still can't eat because my adrenaline is still so high it takes me a good hour for me to calm down and by the time i'm actually hungry all said and done it's probably like around two o'clock so i've been doing that by accident for years now at this point and then i'm thinking like man i'm doing it wrong you got to eat every you know three four hours blah 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 <clears throat> excuse me and then um now this fad of intermittent fasting came out. And I'm like, oh, shit, I've been doing it right all along. Like I was doing something right. And then um when, when that information started coming out, it was becoming more popular. People were like starting to adopt that lifestyle as well. I got more into it. I started actually reading it. There's actually now like material on it, um, evidence that it does work and it's good for you. And anyways, I did my research. And then I just did what I've been doing for years, just tightened up now. So now I do the intermittent fasting. To answer your question, with dieting, I don't eat till about 2 o'clock, similar to yours. My last meal will probably be like around 8 or 10. That, that I kind of give myself wiggle room. I've done it for so many years that I just, I don't need a paper or to read numbers necessarily with like carbs and stuff. I just kind of, my body just tells me. I just kind of know at this point. Um, but sure enough, the the other funny thing is, is that I usually don't eat the day of my fights. Not your for, swear to God, for years, and you ask my coaches this. They've seen me try to eat food. My my adrenaline is just at like such a crazy high that I don't. I'll have a few spoonfuls in the morning, and then I just shut down. My stomach just just says that's it. So you go into a UFC fight with other trained
0: killers, fully on, basically an empty stomach.
1: Yeah. Wow, that's insane. I have fluids and I try to have like carbohydrate drinks, you know, um, or I have like Gatorade and like sugars and stuff just to keep me going. I'll try to stomach bars at least, you know, something just lights at okay. least keep me going. But as far as like a, a meal, like a proper meal, I never usually have on a day of a fight. And it, it's because,
0: it's because you, you're just not hungry and the adrenaline's too high or you're just like, is it it's the, it's, the adrenaline, but it, it does it like, do you feel like it's like repulsive
1: to eat? I, just, I I, can't explain the feeling. It's just like I, I, the, the thought of food it just doesn't even excite me. What about after you the fight? You? Oh, fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like, I go crazy after the fight. It's a different story. <laughs> but um, as a matter of fact, after the fight, is probably like where I pig out because it's been, it's such an emotional day, such a physical day. The adrenaline, you get an adrenaline dump after. And then uh, when it's all said and done, you're just tired. You're so tired, but... You're so tired that you don't even want to eat. You don't even want to chew the food. It's like I need like the uh, I, I need to have it um, in a blender or something like that. But um, yeah, the day of the fight, I, I I have a hard time eating usually. So I'll go by the whole day. I'll compete on you know usually on empty. But again, I've trained for so long like that that that's kind of my survival mode. That's the way I you know, I operate. That's that's my MO during during fighting.
0: And in terms of what you eat, you eat pretty, I imagine you eat pretty clean during fight camp at least, probably all year round, I imagine you're you eat no, pretty I,
1: clean. I'll eat, yeah, I'll eat clean during, during the fight camp. You eat when meat, not,
0: you're not, mm-hmm. you don't do a vegan or anything. No, any I don't have stuff, a lifestyle,
1: no. Okay. Um, but I do try to avoid red meats closer to the fight because it takes more to process. Right. Uh, it takes a lot of blood and everything into your stomach and then you, you can't you don't have the the right energy for for the fight. And how much weight do you cut usually? What do you What are you walking around at now? Ninety, ninety five, about now. I try to be okay. be leaner these days. I used to tip around two hundred, two hundred five. You wouldn't ever move up. You think? No, I've done some fights at eighty five. Yeah, but I feel my be- I feel my best really at one seventy. Huh? And there's something about suffering in a sauna that I enjoy. <laughs> It's like it, it gets... It, 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 I feel like you kind of like torturing yourself a little bit. At this point, yeah. <laughs> you start to see a pattern yeah. you know? here. There's something about the weight cut. Um, it fucking sucks. I'm not saying like I'm, I'm enjoying myself in I, there either. Honestly, if you would have said I enjoy it, I would have been like, yep. It seems <laughs> like I, I wouldn't be surprised. It just feels like it's a process. Mm. It's a process that I must endure in order to fight. It's like my rites of passage to the last thing to go before the uh, the fight itself but it's almost as if it's so that's so hard that it makes the fight itself much mm. easier. That's like the fun part, you know. But if I don't have, it, I almost feel like if I don't have that weight cut and that like last struggle before the fight, that it doesn't feel right.
0: And about this is a, a question because I've been I've been googling it sometimes, but I feel like you're the best person to ask. If you want to cut like five, seven, ten pounds in. A couple of days. What's the best way to go about it for someone who's not like a, I'm not like a trained fighter, obviously. Um, if I just wanted to do it for shits and giggles one time, mm-hmm.
1: just to see if I could do it. So I do water loading. You water load to um, snap your body into rejection mode. So you reject your body rejects anything it has an abundance of. That's why people water load the uh, few days or the week of before the the weight cut. Some people dehydrate themselves. I don't know how they do that. That's so that, fucking that, insane.
0: And when you say that, that just means like a lot, a lot, a lot of water. Lots of
1: water, yeah. Two gallons a day. Okay. Um, I have a system. I do two, three, two, one, then a, then half and a quarter every you know every day leading up to the fight. But anyways, you could also – there's many ways to do it. But the science is all the same. You give an abundance of water to your body. Your body rejects it because it has too much of it. And then you stop it uh, completely. Right before, like 24 hours before, you know, whatever the event is, if it's a fight, if it's a photo shoot, whatever. Um, and that because your body is still peeing it out, it's still in rejection mode, but you stop supplying it with water, it'll keep peeing out the water that you have in your body still, Reje- like uh, excess water. Um, and then the rest of it is just sauna. You just gotta sit and suffer in the sauna.
0: So, obviously. in terms of diet, are you,
1: in terms of eating, you're not eating a lot either, right? I'm eating, but it's lean. It's just uh, grilled chicken, lettuce leaves. You know, um, very, very like the closer to the weigh-ins, the more simple and just basic and bland it is. Okay, so
0: say say there's a, there's fat. You have five days, right, to cut, and the fifth day is is the event, or the sixth day, I suppose, is the event. Mm-hmm. So you're going two gallons. You said two, three, two.
1: Yeah, two, three, two, one, and then half. Okay. So if I'm if I'm weighing in Friday, I start on Sunday. Excuse me, two. Monday three. Tuesday two. Okay. Next day one, and Thursday half. But I try to stop the half by the time I'm supposed to weigh in the following day. Gotcha. But for us, it's in the morning. Right. So by the morning, I'll have you know, uh, I'll sip on some water. You know, it doesn't have to be half because it's morning, and you know, I don't want too much water, in me. But I'll sip close to maybe half a gallon, less than that, if anything, by the morning time. And I just go twenty four hours without it, and then the rest is just uh, I sweat it out in the sauna. And the sweating out is the big is the big part, right? Huge, yeah. I I stay in there for like five hours, you know, six hours sometimes. And uh, you know, I'm fortunate enough to sweat like crazy. If you ever see me training, I sweat like a fucking pig, like it's ridiculous, like pools, like. Everyone, like, uh, in, in my team, they make fun of me, like, around me. They know, like, I, I can't hide anywhere because you see foot tracks and, <laughs> like, sweat everywhere I go. But I sweat a lot, you know. That's, uh, you know, um, in a way it's a good thing because when it comes to now weight cutting and being 170 for a fight, it's not really an issue because I'm not going dr- to dry out. And how many pounds are you shedding from, like, say, the Sunday until
0: the f- Friday of, of when you weigh in? Can you, can you do it?
1: Can you sweat out? Oh, can I sweat? I could can, I guess sweat how I, many pounds? I did out? I did a uh, twenty one and a half pounds one time. In five days? No, on the day of. No, you're lying. Swear to god. No, nah, Bellator in Chicago, right? 21 pounds in a day. Twenty one pounds in a sauna. We were there for like a good amount of time, but it was I, I messed up the loading trick. It was also the sodium. I had food that had salt, so I retained the water. And then um, we were also traveling, so with travel is my first experience with traveling with water, because you keep water in your So um, anyway, sure enough, this was a Bellator fight after the weigh-ins. we went to the, that one was Chris Lozano, I okay. believe. Maybe may in Cali or Chicago. I'm okay. not not sure now, but I know it was the Lozano fight. Um, and the, the funny enough, we so after the weigh-ins, I go to the hospital. You know, we, we went because we, we had, you know, we, we, I was like half dying. Wait, wait, wait. But so, so you
0: wait, it's a Friday morning weighing, weighing something like that? For Bellator? I can't remember. Okay. So the day before, you're 21 pounds over? Or you're, what are you? I was over. And yeah. you're, you're fighting at 170?
1: Yes. 170. So you're at they like, gave you, one, they give you the pound allowance so 171. So you're at 191, basically. Yeah, with water.
0: With water, the night before your fight cam, mm-hmm. the day before your fight cam, mm-hmm. you go. So it's the day of. You're in the sauna, or do, does Bellator
1: make you weigh in in the morning at that in that time? No, Bellator does later weigh ins. At least then they did. Not so sure the morning that. of the weigh in, what do you went? Weigh? You're weighing 191. I was, yeah, I was heavy. I was over by a lot. And then sure enough, when we we checked the scales, that's how much I had to lose. So we went in the sauna, suffered those hours in there, went to the hospital, they IV'd me obviously, and then they you know replenished me. You and weighed then, in before enough, you went to the hospital? Hmm? You weighed in before you went to the hospital? Yeah, yeah I went to weigh-ins. Like and then like, straight from the weigh-ins to the hospital? Sh- yeah, straight. I, ha- I had to. I was, it was just so oh so depleted. It was just too fast. Like how much of the water came off was way too quick. And when we are in the hospital, the room across from us, someone was, um, they were admitted for dehydration. So we're like, hmm. And then my coaches go over and they look. And then they're, uh, the doctors are in. They're doing the same exact thing they were doing to me. They were trying to replenish me. And sure enough, it was my opponent. <laughs> <laughs> I heard it was Chris Lozano. He was in the, <laughs> literally in the opposite room across, across from me. But um, yeah. That's hilarious. And did you... Uh, so was that your worst weight cutting story, would you say? That's one of. Another one was um, for Cage, Cage Fury CFFC. It was the first... Uh, it was the first uh, pro fight for Kimbo Slice. I was on wow. that card, and he fought Ray Mercer. Um, I was thirteen over, but I had to um, I had to be at the weigh-ins. By the time we got there, is when I had to weigh in, but I was thirteen over. And it's a three from where we are in Jersey, the the where, where our gym is to Atlantic City. It's probably like three hours about. And then my coach was like. We're not going to have time for you to go there, then cut the weight. And we don't have time to cut the weight now. So he's like, okay, sit on the way there, like lift the 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 um the windows and blast the, the heat on and layer up. So on your way there, you lose weight. <laughs> so he goes to my friend, my friend, Nick, who was who, uh, he was driving us there. He goes up to him. He was like, you're going to have to suffer. And then he's like, put the, like roll up the windows. And this is a hot summer day, by the way. This is during summer. On the way there, he had me, my, my friend was, you know, he was trying to help me with the weight cut as well. He, he set up on his phone like an alarm. For every 10 minutes, I do sit-ups for a minute while I'm spitting in the cup, while I'm layered up in uh, like two hoodies. I had like two pairs of pants on tucked into combat boots I was wearing at the time. And um, it was funny because it was traffic too, but the traffic held because it slowed us down. We needed more time, you know, 13 pounds in a fucking hot car. It was, it was not easy. We, where we got pulled over, well, we didn't get pulled off, so we, we, we were in traffic, an officer was next to us, <laughs> Imagine what they're all thinking. They, all they see is a guy in a hoodie <laughs> going like this, like, spitting in a cup, and the officer like, what the hell, like, they said something to each other, You just took off, they're like, all right, so "I did they're saying a, uh, a car we want to pull over. Did you make weight? Yeah, sure enough, swear to God, on point. Have, you ever, mi- have you ever missed weight? No, never. See, <laughs> I've never missed weight. I take that very serious, you know. Obviously, like I'll do what it takes. I'll cut off fucking fingers. Uh, wow. <laughs> you know, it's at the end of the day, it's it's profe- it's a, you know, you right. have to be professional about what you do. Your your opponent is suffering as well, you know. So out of respect, re- respect towards your opponent and to the sport as well, like do your job, you know. So these are just a couple of like mishaps where it's
0: just like fuck, this is not going the right way, and we gotta. It's yeah. crunch time. We got to get there.
1: That was probably the two of the worst cuts were, were those. The one yeah. where I was over by 20 pounds and uh, the one that was over by 13 and I had to cut on the way mm. over there. That's an insane story. I can't even imagine what those officers are thinking. They're probably like, who's this crazy <laughs> motherfucker? <laughs> well, the funny thing is my friend's in his underwear. He's driving in his underwear because he's it's so, so hot. <laughs> he's, he's, we stopped at seven eleven. He's drinking a Slurpee. <laughs> And I'm over here, like bundled <laughs> up, going like this, and it's like doing sit-ups wow. on the pasture side. But the craziest part about that
0: too is that, like, guys like you, I mean, I have probably more, I have a lot more weight that I can cut. I mean, you're, you know, you, you know, you're built and you're and you're strong. It's not like you have a lot of, it's it's cra- weight cutting is really a science, you know, because there's not, I mean, look at you, there's not a lot of weight to get out, but apparently there is.
1: A lot of it's body composition. So the more muscle you carry, the more water you hold. Okay. So that's another reason why I also sweat a lot, you know, it's just, I'm just, because mostly muscle, I don't have a lot of body fat, but the water would just pour out of me, you know. And would you ever, do you think,
0: um, move back up again? I know you fought at 185 before, is that, does that ever cross your mind or no?
1: No, unless for health reasons, it was advised to me that it's probably best because it's going to take a toll on my kidneys, uh, doing the weight cut at 170. I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it
0: so now let's let's talk about uh, where you feel like you fit in in the in the 170 picture coming off a big win at MSG knockout win um, I mean just a couple of fights ago you're fighting Damian Mai you know top guy I mean, you fought some fucking killers um, beat some killers uh, so where do you feel like you stack up I know in, a, in an interview that I watched a couple of days ago um, I think it was post uh, 244 you talk about you want uh, hopefully top 10 soon or, or get into that ballpark I mean, you've been you've been in the top ten, I think, in the UFC before, um, or at least very close to. Um, is there someone on your radar? What can what can you tell us about that? What you think?
1: I think, I think this last fight at least puts me back in the conversation, but I, I don't I don't think it puts me in the uh, eligibility for competing against the top ten yet. I think I got to put up another performance like last time, maybe another fight, and then possibly a top fifteen, maybe. You know, it's all, it's all up to the UFC. It also depends on performance because you could still win, but it's not, it's not a good win. You know, it's not entertaining. So it depends. I think one more fight with a good performance or a knockout or two more would probably put me there again, you know, to be able to compete top 10 or top 15.
0: Do you have uh, any perhaps opponents that you'd
1: like to fight or do you not think about that? It's whoever they give you. It's whoever they give me. I don't, uh, I don't put uh, mine onto the who. You know, I just know the what the what is to climb up the totem pole, and fight my way up the food chain, and just think of one person at a time, whoever they give me. You know, I just know I have to do my part, and make sure I'm you know always training, healthy, not injured, because injuries has always been you know one of thing, one of my setbacks. I was injured for the for the Maya fight, right. you know, but um you know all going well as long as I'm 100 percent or as close to 100 percent as I can be. You know, whoever they give me. Did you come out unscathed with your last fight? Yeah, I mean, I couldn't feel my toes for few, for a good week yeah. uh, after <laughs> I think from kicks. But uh, I don't know. I see that as a good thing, you know. So I won't feel it now. <laughs> you know, just numb yeah. my foot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so, when do you hope to kind? I know
0: you and I talked off camera a little bit, perhaps. Uh, because all you team Tiger Schulman's guys love fighting locally. It's always great to see you guys on the local cards. Um, there's the big Brooklyn card on April 18th. Uh, you 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 told me uh, before that would be of interest to you. Do you want to fight earlier, uh, get one fight in before then as well?
1: I I would. I wouldn't be be against it. Um, I think as far as a reasonable card or or time frame, I definitely want to do the Brooklyn card. But I, I don't I don't want to be too. You know specific about the where you know because at the end of the day you have to be able to fight you know mm-hmm. it's it's who you fight and um the opportunity that you get because i might get an opportunity that's gonna come sooner than the brooklyn card and if it's a good opportunity i'm definitely gonna take it because i'm in training and i'm healthy so i'm pretty much good to go
0: what about that i might be going to, to 246 with the connor card what is that mm-hmm. too soon for you because i know they're still what adding that? cards the uh january 18th is yeah that f- it might be too soon it's too soon mm-hmm. um and then whew, April eighteenth, I feel like they'll get you guys on, right? All you team Tiger Showman's guys.
1: Yeah, maybe maybe send us all out. I know. Uh, I know Jimmy's getting ready for one now. Jimmy Rivera.
0: Where do you know where he's fighting at? And he's he's fighting Vera. And he, do you know where?
1: January, I think the. Oh, Texas, right?
0: Uh, okay. Which, which card is? I think that's the. Oh, that's that could be in your time frame now. Yeah. How long do you could you fight? You know, if they called you and said we need you for January eighteenth or February, I think eighth is the mm-hmm. is the one after that. Yeah. Um. Do you feel like you could get ready in, in that time?
1: I could, yeah. Because I, I'm in training. You know, I'm not I'm not again, I'm not injured. And I've been training since the fight, you know, since the MSG fight. Um, I think it's just because I've been planning travels and stuff like that. That's the only reason why. But, you know, um, I'm you know, my girlfriend's very okay with whatever the wherever the opportunity lies, time wise, that we could always work around it, you know, reschedule stuff if we had anything planned as far as traveling.
0: And how much longer do you think? I mean, you're you're 34 now. I've yes. been fighting for a while. Um, how much longer? 15, 15 years. Jeez, man. How much longer do you uh, do you hope to continue fighting professionally? Until I'm 80.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Um. I, I think it's a common. I got to listen to two things. You know, one is my body, which uh, my body is good. The other is the will. The day that I wake up in the morning. And I can't get myself to go to training, and I'm asking myself, you know, like, why are we still doing this? The day that I just lose that passion for it, I think is a, the a reasonable time to start contemplating retirement and stop fighting. Because if you're not doing it for you know those reasons anymore, it's just for, you know just to fight, just for money, you know, then you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Do you fear that? Do you fear that day? No, I, I know in my heart. When that day comes, that it's a very honest, it's a very organic manner to just hang it up and say, Listen, it's time. Because what that tells me is not the end of, you know, a journey in life. It's just the beginning of another. Because maybe that'll be when I start a family. That'll be, you know, the start of something different. I, I always think of the closure of one thing, you know, as an art the beginning of something else. So it's just, you know, one chapter closed but another opens.
0: And do you, what do you, what do you imagine life after fighting will be like? Do you have any things that you'd like to do?
1: Have you thought about that? Coaching, definitely coaching. I, you know, I have a very good fundamental idea of, you know, fighting, having done it for as long as I did. I definitely want to pass it on. I don't want to just sit on the knowledge and not share it. Um, definitely a family. I think well, throughout all the years, one of the things people have been telling me to do and get into is like, you know, fitness fitness modeling and that kind of stuff. Things where I could still use my body, you know, because my body's still in shape and I could still look good for, you know, events and for, you know, photography and stuff. So maybe things like that. I've dabbled a little bit in um, in acting and been doing like roles and stuff lately, you know, as an officer in a film soon.
0: You'll, you'll tell me about that in a second. I, I was I was so into what you were saying that I forgot my manscaped. <laughs> and, and, he, and Josh knows it because usually I do it about like 30 minutes in and I was like, wait a minute. Um, support for where is this going comes from Manscaped who is number one in men's below the belt grooming Manscaped offers precision engineered tools Lyman for all of your family jewels I mean I think you probably only have two I, I hope um, Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin safe technology so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts Lyman do you have any uh, good manscaping stories for us Uh,
1: yeah one i have a recommendation actually okay. is when you do decide to manscaped because i'm a, you know I, i'm a believer in it i do it take your time <laughs> <laughs> i did it one time in a rush and uh Uh-oh. sure enough Uh-oh. It, it, <laughs> just yeah bloody <laughs> lots of little nicks and cuts but uh patience patience, patience. With- have the time to do it you know i might have yeah. to hook you up with
0: some manscaped yeah, I'll get you a, I'll get you their lawnmower 2.0 because <laughs> I, as I was saying, these uh, these manscaping accidents are are a thing of the past with this lawnmower 2.0. Mm. Um, the other thing that's disgusting is that men that use the same trimmer on their
1: face as their balls. I don't know if you do that. No, I uh, have. Uh, maybe you have it. One of those family pack of razors. Beautiful. Always new ones. Besides, you don't want like used razors down there. Exactly. You clean every ex- time. Ex- exactly. And Manscaped also has the crop preserver. Are you
0: familiar with this? It's an no. anti chafing ball deodorant.
1: Really?
0: For you smelly athletes that sweat like motherfuckers when you're, when you're training. It's an anti chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer, actually. You already put deodorant on your armpits, so why are you not putting deodorant it's on funny the smelly because part I of your have body?
1: a separate deodorant for that. Really? I use a deodorant, not not this. Not- I, I definitely have to look into that now. I don't even know it existed. But I have a deodorant up. for my underarms and a deodorant for down there. That's that's brilliant. I see I, you're the first person that said that, but you're ahead no, of the game. I'm so I have such a pet peeve about smells. Ask any of my teammates. The first thing I do before training, I spend a good ten minutes showering before training. I don't know how dudes could roll out of bed and just go straight to yeah. training with that funk. <laughs> they got that morning funk. They don't brush their teeth. It's like it, it drives me nuts. <laughs> I, I have such a pet peeve about odors and like body, huh? Like
0: I, we need like, more people like you because. Yes, please. Too many people. uh, Definitely advocate for uh, Manscaped. For for Manscaped. Mm, We'll hook you up. We'll hook you up. And for you listeners out there that are not there yet with your grooming, you can go to manscaped.com and use promo code WTG for 20% off and free shipping. That's WTG at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. Always use the right tools for the job. Lyman, your balls will thank you. We'll get you there, though. Okay, you said uh just to wrap things up, what do you hope the, the the Lyman good legacy is as a as a man as a fighter as a you know potentially in the future with the family when it's all said and done, how do you hope to be remembered?
1: I was a good man you know i i i could only ask for that you know i don't I don't ask for much in life, but I do want to leave at least behind. A blueprint for my family for my kids and to know that and to also others you know people who've been in my you know scenario and have had similar upbringings and worse because you know there's there's always worse out there and there's things people go through we may not even know about so you know always be kind and courteous to you know the world around you because you don't know what people go through I um want people to understand that no matter where you are, where you come from in life, that as long as you dream, and as big as your dreams are, you have to have the uh, the will and you know determination and never give up what it is that you want in life. Doesn't matter what it is. I've been ridiculed. I've been told I couldn't do what I'm doing now for a living. You know, and been judged for it. I've you know been through a lot. For um, you know where I stand now, I want to leave behind that you know that. That idea, that belief, you know. I think one of the biggest things I've had to learn is just believing in yourself. You know, a lot of it is just self-belief. Self-doubt is probably one of the, the worst things for dreams, you know, for people to go and you know into whatever they want to do in life. When you doubt yourself, you don't believe in yourself, it'll, it'll never happen, you know. Or you're just going to have a very, very long, hard road towards it. Always believe in yourself. And um, I want to be remembered by my children, you know, as someone who was there because I didn't have that, you know, in, in my in my life growing up. I want whether it's a daughter or a son or whoever it is and great uh, grandkids one day, you know, that I at the end of the day I want to break my cycle. Because it's not just with my father. My father didn't know his father. Um I don't know if people know this I'm the third Lyman good or fourth rather. Wow. So, Lyman Good, the, the third or fourth, I don't know, we, we, we lost track. Because there's just this generational passing on of, like, you know, bastards. Like, we just don't know each other. My, my father didn't know his father, didn't know his father. You know, so um I want to break that cycle. I want to break the cycle of, you know, just everything. I want all the change to happen here with me. You know, whatever it takes for, for me to do that, that's the road and the life I'm going to live until that happens.
0: And for those kids that, that were maybe in your similar position growing up, um, perhaps without a father, uh, growing up in a tough neighborhood who didn't have the belief and confidence in themselves and, you know, and, and struggled to even find a path to finding that confidence and that belief in themselves, what would you say to them to, to help them? To
1: not victimize yourself, first of all. You know, there's many people out there also who don't have people in their lives. You know, people who don't have mothers or fathers, you know, or anyone. So do your best to not play the victim because when you do that, it's a very, very windy, long, downward spiraling road. Tell yourself that whatever it is you want for yourself, be that for yourself. I didn't have certain things in my life, or rather than complaining about it, I became those things so that I could give that to other people or even myself. But it's hard. It's hard to live it and try to, you know, do it for yourself. I'm, li- I'm trying to live it and embody it so that I could give it. So I think the biggest thing is just everything's perception in life. Don't victimize yourself. If it happens, you know, I'm sorry that it did. But know that life can get better, and it will. But it's a matter of perspective. Just look at things, you know, in a positive way. Use everything for positive. That is the best tool you can have in life is the ability to turn a bad into a good how you view things in life is the strongest weapon you have your mind is really but the lens that you view life from is also a very strong and important one so if you don't victimize yourself and whatever it is you say that you don't have all right you know it sucks you know it is what it is but be those things so you can make a change for the next person
0: beautiful beautiful you can find uh lyman on uh on the medias on Instagram at Lyman Good MMA, on Twitter at Lyman Good MMA. Um, man, we look forward to one seeing you back in the cage soon um, on this journey, and two, it was just uh, an absolute pleasure and, and honor to have you uh, on my show. I think uh, I learned so much about you because you know when I when I do my research, you can you can learn only so much on the internet. Um, but I think you have a, an unbelievable story that I hope that more people by listening to this are going to know about. I think you could, man, I think some of the things that you're telling could be in a book or a movie or a TV show or something. But uh, I, I'll be rooting for you in all those fights and in your life after. I wish you nothing but the best. And I know, you know, it's beautiful to hear you talk about your, uh, your life and your relationship to, to, to fatherhood and all that. And I know you'll be a, a fantastic father when the time comes. So thank you so much, man.
1: Thank you for having me. Appreciate it.